previously on the Death Saving Bros podcast. There's a knock at your door. At the door is Nora. Come on, you got to get ready. We've got to meet Dean Doval, and she's going to give out class assignments for the day. You won't have any curriculum, precisely. You just have to be prepared when those exams come. Excuse me, uh, Dean Do- Doval. Is there a limit to the number of courses that we can take? There is one artificer per group. For you, Manfred, you will be attending this morning's lecture on surge preparation and evolution. As soon as you're done with your nerd shit, you gotta get to the field. Yes, tryouts are this morning for the Pyrocross team. Everybody else, here are your assignments. Uh, Mr. Cider, Dixon? What? Here is your list. Milo, you notice that both of you have adventuring economics. I didn't know you were taking this class, Dixon. Yeah, it was the only class that fit in this schedule. I'm just here because Toby likes fire. He likes to play in the bonfire. So the two of you managed to cook a passable meal. That wasn't so bad, Dixon. Don't ever tell anyone I'm here, ever. But are you coming back? No, but Milo can visibly tell that I'm lying. Let's go ahead and jump over to Manfred. A blonde elven male sits down next to you. My name's Titus. I wanted to reach out and propose an alliance. Second only to me, of course. Oh, you told me... Yeah, this this is your rival. No. And I know that you need me more than I need you. And I stand up and I walk over to another seat. The professor is Professor Fackham Kane. Fackham, my (laughs) dear. All right, all right, class. In order to make a surge, you need to have an element of a magical being. The stronger the magical creature, the stronger the surge will be. At the end of the class, you have a crude but functional surge. I have to go because I have to get to the tryouts. All right, so you make your way down to the field where Thad has been hanging out this entire time. You ready, bruh? (laughs) Welcome to another episode of the Death Saving Bros Podcast. I am your host and Dungeon Master, Paul Camper. With me today, I have Ben Renfro. You know what, guys? <laughs> I'm super aroused to be here right now. Join the club, Brad Richards. <laughs> <laughs> me and Paul both got some stiffies. <laughs> I'm all chubbed up because you're stiff. I like it. We all got boners here. I like this. Oh, that's my new that's my new uh, gag moving forward is we're just gonna talk about all horny. That's your new everything. gag moving forward is a stiff penis? That's assault, brother. That's the that's the weapon used to commit the crime. Colonel Mustard in the living room. <laughs> this cack. Alright, we're we're two for two on horniness so far. Let's go over to Matt Smith, who's also here with us. Are those ten? He was also iron- horny. <laughs> Are those ten iron pythons in your pocket? Or are you just happy to see me? <laughs> oh, shit. Can it be both? I love dick jokes. And oh, uh, last but not least, Brad Renfro. You better be hard. Can't wait for Paul's piss-poor transition after all this. <laughs> what does a house wear? 
It better be related to a penis, I swear to God. A dress. Fuck you. (laughs) (laughs) Rough. Say, my cock and D20s are ready to roll. (laughs) I want that as a ringtone. Speaking of horny, I'm so horny. Think about this Dungeons and Dragons 5th edition actual play podcast. Well, thank you for making the segue for me, because that is what we are, a 5th edition actual play Dungeons and Dragons podcast. And this is our third episode of season two. Wah, wah, wah. <laughs> I already don't like where this is going. I'm sorry, I started a... <laughs> uh, sorry, I brought this this energy into the room, guys. What a fucking dick you are. <laughs> I just said I was aroused, and Paul's like, yeah, I got a boner, too. And I was like, damn it. So when, when Ben's aroused, everyone just starts sprouting up. Guys, did this table get taller? Or is it- <laughs> Let's go ahead and uh, transition all of this energy that we've got <sighs> towards continuing our adventure. <laughs> um, last time on the Death Saving Bros podcast, our adventurers had their first full day of lessons at the Arkshine in their final year of their uh, magical education. Two of our adventurers, Milo and Dixon, went to Adventuring Economics, which essentially turned out to be uh, home ec. They were under the tutelage of Professor... Horsetis, and they wound up cooking on an open flame. I cooked with Toby. While there, it turns out that Dixon actually has a soft spot in his uh, disinterested shell. Hard dick. He's a soft spot for souffles. (laughs) Yes. Souffles. Which, ironically, is also his hard spot. (laughs) But uh, it wound up opening him up just a little bit. (sighs) And then, yes, don't comment on that phrasing. And then that's where you draw the line. There's been a lot of unfortunate phrasing. <laughs> I mean, throughout the history of this podcast, it's been a lot of me saying things, and then you guys just yelling phrasing, basically. No. And then, with uh, one of the other classes, we had Ben's character Manny go to artificing class, which is the only required class. All classes in this final year are up to the individual, but every individual does have exams. Uh, It's just dependent on which classes they go to, whether or not they will be prepared for both the exams and the uh, final test. But the artificer class is required because artificers are very important and Manny learned how to make a surge, which is essentially a magical battery. He was the best performer in the class and even did better than his rival, Titus, who everybody unequivocally said was an absolute dick. And uh, the last person in the group was Thadward, who did not have a first period class and instead went out to the Pyrocross fields to get ready for tryouts. But we wound up skipping that last episode so that we could give it its due focus today. And that's where we're going to start. Uh, Manny has just dashed out of the Artificer Lecture Hall after making sure that Winona would bring any additional notes to him, who was one of his uh, fellow Artificers in this year. And uh, Manny goes dashing down the stairs to meet 
Thad and the other prospective teammates for the Pyrocross tryout. Wall, wall. <laughs> am I am I too late? Did I make it in time? No, sir. We're just about to get started. And I'd like to say this whole time while we've been waiting, I've been uh, been working out on my my sit up. And as uh, as Manny comes running up. I'm just struggling very hard on a sit-up, and I reach the top, and I just go, One! <laughs> Man. <laughs> Are you trying to, uh... Oh, that's right, try- because you're a tortoise. <laughs> I was going to say, it's legendary for him to get one done. <laughs> that, that word, if uh, you get much better at these, then... Uh, well, how long did that take you? How long was your class? <laughs> Fifty-five minutes. <laughs> that's a that's a new uh, PR. Well, you can't see under the shell, but at this rate, I'm not, it's not going to be too much longer, and you're not going to need me to help you get out of bed in the morning. <laughs> you keep uh, working at that, but good job, good job, guy. Wait, how did you? Is it just you rocking on your shell, or are you physically, like, bending bending his shell? (laughs) Does your shell, like, have little, like, membrane (laughs) membrane in there that it can just bend? Like a gross-ass little thin... Or the shell doesn't move, and I'm somehow doing a sit-up inside it. Yeah, right. (laughs) Or you just go inside your shell and just like... Hey, you tuck yourself completely in there. <laughs> Everybody from the outside just sees this shell kind of rocking a little bit. No idea what grunting. you're doing in there. <laughs> hey, yeah. when you see the shell rocking, you don't come knocking. Oh, no. <laughs> oh. oh, no. <laughs> oh. It's unfortunate since there's only room for me. Can you get that tatted on you? <laughs> <laughs> Shells rock. <laughs> yeah, I'm ready, ready to get the tryout started. Just gotta limber up, and <laughs> I start <laughs> limbering up. I guess this is exceptional storytelling. Why are you gotta tell me that, man? Why are you gotta look me in the eyes when you see that? It's like I gotta limber up, and then you see my trunk just start doing like a wave motion. It's really just loosening my trunk. I start spinning it in circles and everything, like a windmill, while making eye contact with <laughs> the wall. Um, as Manny and Thad are having their conversation the Pyrocross coach comes walking out from the locker rooms nearby and you see uh, Akrea Rolta who Manny and Thad have both been coached by the past three years that they've been at the Arkshine she is a big burly tiefling and she wears a ripped tank top and she's got three quarter trainers on you know, like the, the soccer style. And she comes out with a pyrocross ball in one hand, which is just a big red leather ball. And then in the other hand, she's got a bag full of pennies. And you can smell the stench coming off the pennies just as she's walking over. And she says, Thad, Manny, get your ass up and come help all the newbies find their place in line. Yes, coach. Sir, yes, sir. Ma- ma'am, yes, ma- ma'am, yes, sir. <laughs> ma'am, yes, sir. <laughs> Any one of those will do as long as you get your ass in line. After the shit you pulled in our last game last season, I may be sitting you to start this year. What? Ooh, damn, coach. <laughs> Starting on the bench. Ah. 
<laughs> Damn. Yeah, get fucked. <laughs> I say that to myself. <laughs> oh, you can start. That left out. There's no chance. We're good, coach. We're on it. Good. Then let's see what you got when we start tryouts. Roger that. And uh, I guess I spring up and be like, all right, everybody, let's uh, let's all get on the line. And, uh, and I start kind of just like organizing and making sure everybody kind of like lines up at the, the end of the so-called end zone, we'll call it. Um, but just kind of springing up and making sure everybody's following the rules. I'm hopping into line and just sitting there flexing. <laughs> Just going, what part are you flexing? Like, like the part out of your shell or in your shell? <laughs> no, it's Both. your abs from that one sit up. You're just tightening your abs, I'm, I'm but flexing, you can't see it. I'm flexing inside the shell, so you can't really see anything flex, but you can see on my face that I'm putting a lot of effort into something. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So everybody gets on the line, and Coach Rolta, she puts her arms behind her back and says, all right, you ingrates. For those of you that don't know, Pyrocross has some very specific rules that I'm going to go through. So you better pay attention and be ready for when we do some drills. Otherwise, you're going to be out of here faster than a three-pitch bout. There's not a barefooted jackrabbit. Yeah, yeah, the rabbit. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> All right. So, Pyrocross is the most practiced sport in the world of Ralvaria. You got two teams four players, each team, and you're trying to get the ball from one end of the field to the other end and put it through the scoring ring. Easy enough, right? Yes, coach. I know all about putting balls through scoring rings. <laughs> and I'm just uh, nodding my head in approval. Do some call it a hoop? Uh, Thad, you get a couple Snickers around you. Mr. Funny Guy on the team, <laughs> huh? <laughs> but I say it like deadpan serious. <laughs> Do you look at the others? Just give them a stare down? I stare straight ahead at Coach. I look deep into her eyes so she knows I'm serious. <laughs> she nods back at you and says, That you do, but we also know that you're our batter, and that's how every bout starts. Now, the way that the game is played, for those of you that don't know, each round is considered a bout. We start the bout with the defending team pitching to the offensive team's batter. In our case, that's Thad. Unless he sucks, in which case, it won't be him. Well, dang. The pitcher and the batter make a contested skill check, choosing either a sleight of hand or an athletics check. It's your choice. If the pitcher succeeds, the ball goes past the batter and goes through the ring. They get a point. If the pitcher succeeds three times, then that means that our batter sucks, and we switch ends. And now we'll be pitching. Makes sense so far. I'm, uh, Manny yes, is coach, just, This uh, is my senior year. <laughs> I mean, Manny's continuing to nod because he understands, uh, he understands the game. I guess, uh, at, at this point, I'd like to, to kind of like lean a little bit forward and look down the line, uh, just to kind of see the faces of all the newbies that are trying out and see kind of if it looks like, you know, People are mostly getting it, understand. I mean, I, I would think to play a college sport, like they would have had to play at like some high school level before, right? That's like what I was gonna say, like everybody just go should to a try out for a college team and never do it before. Yeah, you don't understand the rules. Say. You don't know anything. Just about imagine, it. just imagine showing up to like 
Kent State D one football. Never playing football in their life. Going out for like a running back. And just they're just like trying to tell you destroyed. the rules. <laughs> yeah, they're like, so in this game, you call hike four downs. <laughs> and you're like, okay, yeah, duh. So like, like, all right, Oklahoma drill. Fuck. So, so I guess like I'm not necessarily looking to see like do people understand the sport or not, but I'm looking, I'm looking to try to figure out who, who looks the most promising, like you know athletic wise that they just like look like they're ready to go versus like the people that look like they're more nervous we'll say to try out just being at the level that we're at all right so that's just kind of what i'm trying to get an understanding of is my peers and that stuff okay um as you're looking down the line you do notice uh two people in particular one that does not seem ready at all they're a scrawny little thing uh it's a male human with blonde hair and just a twig of a human. And then there's a female drow who is dark-skinned, has white hair, and has that lean, athletic look to her. She's got her arms crossed, and you can see, like, the slight definition of muscle in her arms. And she's staring ahead and kind of tapping her foot, and she looks ready to go. Tell me more about the slight definition to her muscles. (laughs) Well... Maybe we can cycle back to that. Because at this point, uh, I'm going to drop out of character voice to give you and our listeners a more uh, comprehensive view of how Pyrocross is played. So, as I said, the defense pitches to the offensive team, and that is a contested skill check, either sleight of hand or athletics. And if the pitcher is successful, it goes past the batter and into the scoring ring, and if that happens three times, then that's three points and you switch. So the batter's team is now pitching and the pitcher's team is now batting. However, if the batter succeeds, then they can choose to hit the ball downfield to one of their teammates. Uh, and for every multiple of four that the batter succeeds against the pitcher, the ball will travel 20 yards. For example, if the pitcher rolls a 12, sleight of hand against a 15 strength from the batter. The difference between the two scores is three and therefore will travel one multiple of four equal to 20 yards. And at this point, the ball is in play and the bout has begun. With me so far? Yep. One question. Yeah. You said that, uh, I just want to clarify, you said that if it goes in three times, then it's three points and you switch? Yes. It, it That is inferring that it's one point per thing, right? Correct, yes. So the pitching team has the ability to score points without ever having to actually put the ball into play. And if they get those three points, then you switch in order to keep the pitching team from just racking up points. So the batter is then trying to bat the ball into play and... Once it is put into play, the field is 100 yards in length. Teammates of both teams can start anywhere on the field as long as you're at least 20 yards from either goal, which are 100 yards away from each other. You could choose to put your offense all the way down 80 yards away from the batter, but because you would then have to succeed by a difference of 16 on the contested skill check in order to get the ball all the way to your teammates, it's not really a advisable. So you kind of want to put your teammates 
in positions where they could get the ball because if you don't get it to a teammate, it's considered a loose ball and possession will then fall to whichever team arrives to the ball first. And that's just based on initiative and how fast everybody is. So say you win by a multiple of like, I don't know, you roll and it's 16 better, which is like, I don't know, like whatever, four multiples better of four. Can you choose to not have it go that far? Like, say we had somebody spaced, like, I don't know, like 40 or 60 yards down. Could we, instead of sending it like the full 40 or or 60 or 80 yards or whatever that fourth multiple would be, are we allowed to just go shorter because we succeeded? Yes. Um, You can choose to go shorter. You just can't go longer than your success. What does that make the range cap? Because you can only go up by so many multiples of four, so it's 20, like, 80 80 yards. Is there any, like, home run mechanic? Like, Uh, I guess I had If the batter rolls a nat 20 and the pitcher rolls a nat 1, in only those situations is it an automatic win or something like that. Sure, we could introduce that. (laughs) I was just trying to see if there's any, like, I don't know, home run mechanic rather than just, like... Yeah, I succeeded by the most number possible, and that only puts me 80 yards down the field, like not necessarily like some home run Hail Mary style mechanic. I mean, if the batter rolls a nat 20, you could introduce something like in cricket, like where they have a six, where essentially it's a home run, but it's not like one run. Because like in baseball, obviously there's solo home runs if it's just the batter. But in cricket, if you hit the ball in the air, out of the ring, like out of play, it's six runs. Oh. Then, uh, it's called a six. Yeah, we can just do it like that. It would double your points. So If the pitcher rolls a nat one, then he should get fucking shelled, but <laughs> that's just me. <laughs> yeah, so I guess if you roll a nat 20 or the pitcher rolls a nat one, then yeah, we could just have it be uh, an automatic home run and you hit it clear across the field and through the scoring ring and then that would be worth double what you would normally get on offense. Yeah, I was going to say, not to like derail your rules here, or like keep trying to comment and add in, but oh, it was no. like... I appreciate you know, it. If the, if the pitcher like is rolling a d20 and rolls a 1, then is it like we get to roll a special die, like we roll a d4 or a d6, and like we get that many points because it was a nat 1 on the pitch, which means we got a softball pitch out there. I don't know, I'm just trying to think of like different mechanics to make it fun, but also... I'm sure you put a lot of thought into it. And again, I don't want to sit here and just like keep throwing in different rules for you, but just thoughts. Again, like I said, I appreciate it. And um, that's something that I will have to think about. And maybe uh, we can work it out if it happens. Um, but yeah, a nat one pitch or a nat 20 uh, hit should definitely get you a little bit extra. And I wonder if for like, I don't know, the wall being a batter, how like, for like fighters, there's a mechanic where so since like his your character is solely based around playing sports and athletics, like fighters at one point like they can crit on both a 19 and a 20. So a 19 also hits a home I, run for you too. I think that is perfectly valid. I mean, it's a critical. It's still a critical hit. Yeah. Also, so when I was designing my character like class wise, I made him the gunslinger, mm-hmm. which is like dexterity based. Yeah. So. I kind of dumped strength a little bit. But you have dexterity, so you also have um, a pretty good sleight of hand then, right? Well, so my sleight of hand and my athletics both come out to being the same. Okay. Because of skill selection. Mm-hmm. 
You could just be a contact hitter. You have good hand-eye coordination. Oh, yeah, so and that's, can, that, I guess that could be why we put you at the batter, too, just because you, you have a high, can put it in play often. Also, I mean, if you just got a high dexterity but, like, a mediocre power, I mean, you could put him at batter. A, he's a good defensive player because he's quick on his feet, and he could also be a good contact hitter. He's got a high hit percentage that doesn't really get out that much. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you don't have to... You don't have to slam it home every time in order to be a successful oh, batter. You just have to win. Yeah, you do. <laughs> slam it home every time, but just not on the field. <laughs> All right, that actually brings me uh, to the next point, which is, so if the batter succeeds, then they hit it to their teammate, and um, at that point, the ball is in play. My teamy. So once possession is obtained... The team in possession has four chances to place the ball through the opponent's scoring ring. All players on the field will roll for initiative, and then on your turn, you can affect the ball or the players in whatever manner you see fit to promote or hinder progression of the ball. And in order to do whatever you see fit, uh, you can make physical and magical attacks, and those are deemed successful based on AC, just like normal except for spells that require a saving throw from the target, then it's just based on whether or not the target succeeds on their saving throw. But if it's something more like Bane or uh, Guidance, those don't have any sort of DC inherent in the spell, so that falls under Arcana skill check. And so would other vague skills. Um, so if you want to perceive an opponent's weaknesses and make a perception check, then you have to succeed on a DC 15 or the opponent's AC, whichever is lower. Does that make sense? I think so. I mean, as long as you know <laughs> the rules, I think that we can definitely roll with it. Um, <laughs> but I think it makes most sense. Once we play it, I think it'll make more sense. Yeah. The key thing to, for you guys to remember is that you can't use any maneuver twice in a row. So that includes magical attacks, that includes physical attacks. Let's say that you're shooting an arrow at somebody, you can't shoot an arrow two times in a row. So I can just straight up pull out a gun and shoot another <laughs> player on the field. Yes. Nice. <laughs> yeah, everything is, it's, it's all magic, so everybody is protected. But yeah, essentially... Woo! That is why you can still be an excellent batter because you have the range to affect the ball and the players from farther back down the field. And as long as you can hit the ball routinely and successfully and put it into play, then you're a good player. Until he gets sick of this motherfucker's shit, puts a bullet in his gun and starts <laughs> blasting motherfuckers. Again, yeah, considered a red guard if I hit him in the kneecap. <laughs> Um, there are no fouls. Hell yeah. Oh my god. <laughs> this is gonna pull a bow out and just shoot a fucking broad tip through your shell. <laughs> but yeah, so then we're going on initiative and everybody takes their turn to affect players of the ball. And the ball is progressed downfield based on the number of team successes. So each success equals 10 yards. If everybody on your team succeeds and the defense all fails then the ball gets moved forward 40 yards. But if the defense has a number of successes against the offense, then they'll reduce it by 10 yards. So if they have four successes and the offense has zero successes, then the ball gets pushed back 40 yards. Additionally, 
anytime that a player is succeeded against, so let's say that uh, Thadward is attacking one of the defenders, trying to shoot them so that they can't get to the ball, then and succeeds, then the defender will have disadvantage on the next turn. And same thing in reverse. And then, uh, one more thing, if the number of offensive and defensive successful maneuvers is equal, then the player currently holding the pyrocross ball must make a DC-10 constitution saving throw or fumble the ball to the defense. So you want to be successful and often. Wow. (laughs) (laughs) Sounded like an ESPN announcer. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. Now, if the guy catches the football... And then uh, once the offensive team is within 30 yards of the scoring ring, you can attempt to pitch the ball through the scoring ring. 30 yards is disadvantage. 20 yards is normal. 10 yards is advantage. And if the team's batter is anywhere within those 30 yards, they can make an opposed check just like they would at the beginning of the bout. The bout continues until the ball has passed through the scoring ring, scoring two points for the offensive team. So is the batter also like the goalie? Yes, but does not have to stay in front of the scoring ring. They can move out into the field. How close did you say the banner has to be to the goal to defend it? 30 yards. Even if the person pitching is, uh, or like making an attempt on the goal is closer than that? Yes. In any case, the batter is making a normal check. But if the offensive player gets closer to the scoring ring, then they could have advantage. Cool. And then the first team to five wins. So if you manage to get that hole-in-one mechanic that we just talked about, then you would wind up being one point away from winning right off the bat. Wait, so did you say getting it through the ring is four points? Only if you hit a home run. Okay. Otherwise, is it just one? or? So if you're pitching and you succeed against the batter, then it's one point, and you can score up to three per pitch. If the ball is in play and you're on offense and you're just trying to score through the ring normally, then you can score two points. Okay, cool. All right, cool. That uh, was a pretty long explanation, but I appreciate you guys uh, jumping in and giving your insight. So after Coach Arcrea finishes, you know, jibber-jabbering and kind of catching everybody up. She goes, all right, we're just going to do some quick two-on-two drills uh, just to see how you face up against one another. So, Thad and Manny, why don't you go ahead and get on the line and then we'll uh, we'll take you and you. And she points at the skinny, blonde, male, human, and then the female drow. And they put on their pennies and they line up on the line opposite you. And you've got a pyrocross in between you. Let's go. Hello there. And hope you're enjoying episode three. I'm your Dungeon Master Paul. And these are the announcements for this week. Because we post every other Tuesday... This is the last chance that I'm going to have to alert you about our Patreon physical rewards. Every six months, those who have been supporting the show at the $25 tier on patreon.com slash deathsavingbros 
for at least three months, receive exclusive Death Saving Bros merchandise. Previous rewards have included dice towers, shirts, miniatures, and more. But April is the last month that you can join the tier and still meet the three-month supporter requirement for the first half of 2023. So if you're interested in getting exclusive swag that won't be available anywhere else and that will be delivered later this summer, make sure that you check out our Patreon at patreon.com slash deathsavingbros. Of course, we have other tiers as well, which start as low as $2, and that will get you access to bloopers, conversational recaps, extra episodes, and so much more. We'd love to share that with all of you, so make sure you check those out as well. And then, if you're currently unable to financially support the show right now, we encourage you to leave a review at Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or Podchaser. You can also leave a five-star review on Spotify. All of that goes a long, long way to helping share the show with others, and it's always so terrific as us hosts, us creators, to see your incredible words and know that you're enjoying what we're creating. So before I get you back to the episode, I would like to take a moment to recognize those that have supported us and have made this show possible. Those who are patrons pledging at the $5 tier get a shout out at the end of the show, but the following individuals have pledged to support us financially at the $10 tier or higher, so they get their supporter shout out right now. Ryan Cushman, Gene L. Jackson, and Gavin Knox. Thank you all for your support. Now let's get you back into the game of Pyrocross. Hopefully you enjoy the innovation of this game, which we'll certainly play in a future episode, um, but we'll also be posting the full rules write-up later this month on Patreon, in case you maybe want to use the sport in your own campaign. And if you do, please make sure to let us know. We'd love to know how it works for you. Without further ado, we now return you to your regularly scheduled programming. All right, uh, coach, are you sure, uh, sure this is fair to, uh, put the two newbies up against, uh, the, the two all-stars on the team? Are you trying to, uh, show them a bad time? <laughs> all-stars? Yeah, okay, Manny. I mean, I don't know what you want to call a, a three-time starter. I've been starting since freshman year, and so has the wall. Only, well, I know, I know I didn't start till the end of freshman year, but, uh, whereas, as the wall came in... You know, starter right off the bat, first to ever do it, and school history, but in my mind, it kind of seems like that that's the definition of all-star. You're not an all-star until you win the championship. No, that would make you a champion, but... Yeah. <laughs> I, I like what, uh, Emo McGee, what the fuck is your name? <laughs> I keep forgetting it. You literally held the pencil up to Paul because oh, you thought it was funny, you dumb fuck. <laughs> I like what uh, Dixon's energy is telling me from wherever the fuck he is, <laughs> but yes. forgot my character is not supposed to really be enthusiastic about the sport, but here I am talking shit to the coach. <laughs> Maybe I do care about the sport. Don't don't remind us of what, what happened last year. We're, we're going to redeem ourselves this year. In which case, you'll be one of my all-stars. So, let's get down, let's get dirty. And she tweets her whistle. 
So let's go ahead and roll initiative for you two. You just hear a ding from inside my shell. I thought he said, and she tweaks her nipple. (laughs) (laughs) What the hell? Why couldn't I have that coach? 19 for good old Manfred. 22 for Thad. All right. So even though Thad rolled a 22, our drow uh, newbie actually rolled a nat 20 and then plus three. Lies. So we're going to go ahead with the drow first. The drow is going to reach down for the ball and is going to point her hand out, uh, opening her palm as a frigid beam of blue-white streaks towards Manny, and she casts Ray of Frost, uh, which is going to require a roll to hit. And she rolls another nat 20. How close am I to Manny? You guys are right next to each other. Within five feet? Yes. I'd like to use my reaction to intercept with my shield. Okay. Which, so I guess in normal combat, it would be when an ally within five feet is hit by an attack. Or I guess we don't know if he was hit yet, so. (laughs) I mean, if you want to go through and continue to try to do that, like, you see that it's coming at me, you could do it. Otherwise, I got a spell I could use. Yeah, so this... This is when an ally within five feet is hit by an attack. I can use a reaction to reduce damage by 1d10 plus my proficiency. So that that would only be if the attack actually connected. Okay, well, she rolled a nat 20. So I guess it does connect. Yeah, it would connect. <laughs> but since I guess the, the combat mechanics aren't really doing damage... Well, now that's, that's a good point. Uh... Would we still treat damage as not like you get knocked unconscious and go into death saving throws, but more like, you know, you get hurt and you're out of the game. Like hurt or fatigue or something like that, where like if you drop to zero hit points, you're either injured or you're like so tired that until there's like a timeout technically or like you get a breather or something like if you're below half hit points you have disadvantage on things because you're fatigued and if you hit zero you're injured but like whenever there's like a timeout or something like that and you get a chance to rest it all like regenerates yeah actually ben that's pretty that's pretty good or no 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 for simplicity's sake you would there's just... already disadvantage mechanics going on yeah so, so i think it's like i think if you just if you drop down to zero then you're you're fatigued and or injured until the next bout, in which case you gain all your HP back. Cool. So let me go ahead and roll uh, damage real quick, and that will allow Thad's intercept to be effective. Yeah, I was going to say that, or I do have a spell called Absorb Elements, which could be super helpful here too, but I think you already, (laughs) you reacted before I can, so I will let you take the blunt of this. (laughs) The wall is all about protecting his team. Okay. Um, so the damage is, uh, oh wait, it's double damage dice, so it's a total of eight. And I reduced ten. Oh, okay, so no damage whatsoever. Does any of it get bounced back since I reduced more than was <laughs> was taken? Uh, no, there is somebody that has, I think the, the monk feature, if you wind up reducing it beyond its damage, you can throw it back, but, um, that does not occur here. You just managed to save your teammate from the brunt of the attack but it does still reduce Manny's speed by 10 feet until the start of uh, the drow's next turn 
which because we're in just we're just in drills, that won't really affect you. But in the middle of a match, that would be kind of important. So did you like step forward in front of me with your shield then to do that? I guess. Is that like what that looked like? Well, or I, I just since we're standing right next to each other, I just had my shield. I just stuck my arm out and just took like most of that to my shield or is it not even your shield you just like jump back you just jump in front and turn your shell and then wiggle your butt at them afterwards once you block it all (laughs) yeah let's go with that (laughs) (laughs) you just moon them (laughs) okay perfect well it is your turn now thad I would just like to hold on. I would like to use a reaction. If you jump in front of me and you we are now nose to nose, and you just took that, I'd like to just take my trunk and just like, I don't know, kind of give you a little bean dip or something, just as like a thank you. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Since we're since we're standing eye to eye, (laughs) you could see my eyes glaze over, and as I'm I'm just overcome with my sportsmanship prowess. And I just yell, the wall! And I whip around, and I pull out my strap, and I just blast this drow <laughs> straight in the face. Huh? <laughs> Your you strap? Are? What? My strap. His burner, his blaster, his my glitter. Cat. <laughs> my piece. Oh, okay. Walk around his, the block. His gun. <laughs> we got that Glock. My pistol. Your ass been a gisha. Big all right, roll the hit. He just said the one word that would take all of our attention. <laughs> right, it's going to be a 23. Yeah, you managed to fire off a shot against the drow. And I would also like to spend a grit point to make that a disarming shot. You said she picked up the uh, the ball? Yes. Good thing she's got two arms. <laughs> <laughs> so yes, I would like to make a disarming shot, which enemy makes a strength save or drops held item and item is pushed 10 feet away okay and uh, what is the strength saving throw it's going to be 15 she rolled a nat one so she drops it and it's pushed backwards and uh, she came up against the wall (laughs) and she was found lacking and what's the damage on that shot too uh seven wait five (laughs) oh okay five damage and uh, you've managed to cause her to drop the pyrocross ball and it goes skittering away. And then, Manny, you are up next. How far from the ball am I now? You're 10 feet away. All right. Well, after I see my turtle friend just turn around and just start firing shots into the crowd, <laughs> um, <laughs> I'd like to just, uh, I'd, I'd like to run up and grab the ball as my next move. And then when I grab the ball, I would like to use my magical tinkering feat, which allows me to... Oh, yeah. My short notes for it is I can touch a tiny non-magical item and then choose the following effect. Yeah, I could use my tiny little dick. (laughs) Actually. (laughs) Your dick is very magical. That... Oh. (laughs) Well, depends. (laughs) Some people have said it, some people haven't. JK, I'm a virgin. Um... (laughs) Well, here, here's here's the better thing about it. So this magical tinkering with my <laughs> tiny non-magical dick, um, <laughs> I can choose one of the following effects, like a bright light, a recorded message, an odor or sound, or like a visual effect. So an definitely, odor? man, it smells like balls back here. I can make it smell like balls, <laughs> or I can make it smell like I don't know, fresh pie. 
balls or fresh pie. <laughs> I mean, whatever I want. You're going for. Whatever I want. <laughs> it could be breadsticks. It could be bath water. I don't care. It could be a shitty ass. But essentially, I would like to pick up the ball and imbue it with my magical tinkering. And really, what I want to do is like kind of like preset or trigger it, where like once their team picks it up, I just wanted to like give the visual effect of like this bright blinding light that's just going to I don't know, make it so they can't see anything. Okay. So like Twiggy over there like goes and picks it up. He's gonna pick it up and it's just gonna blind him and he's gonna like either drop it or it's just he's not gonna be able to like advance or move the ball in some some way, shape, or form. Okay. Is it are you using your tinkers tools or is it an ability that you're using? No, it's a ability called magical tinkering. Okay, then, um, yeah, I would go ahead and do an Arcana check. 21. You are successful, and you have rigged up this ball to uh, flash a bright light if your opponents pick it up. I guess, like, as a, like, follow-up action to it, I can pick it up. I don't know, maybe it'd be beneficial for me to then just, like, heave the ball at their guy so, like, he catches it. Like, almost like I you know, pulled the pin on the grenade, but like I touch it and then I just throw it at him. So it's by him or he catches it and it just like blinds him. And then I just run and put his ass into the ground. Now, I don't know if that'd be like too many actions to be like, Hey, I'm going to imbue it, toss him the ball and then go and spear the fucker. Yeah. That's a few too many. Okay. So I guess I just like have it now, <laughs> but like if they touch it, it blinds them. I think that makes sense. Yeah. So last up is going to be the, person that you have named Twiggy. String bean motherfucker. It's a ballad like a motherfucker. Twiggy is going to come over and roll an acrobatics check to dive in, grab the ball from you, and kind of just slide underneath, kick his leg up, kick the ball out of your hand, and then run forward with the ball. And that is a nat 19, so a total of 21. Does Does he have disadvantage, though, since I was successful, right? No, not until next turn. Okay. Fuck you, Doug. I just I was just trying to make sure I understood the rules. Uh one of us should have been named Doug. What's your name? My last name's McQuaid. <laughs> so yeah, he does so he does successfully slide in between your legs, pop the ball out of your hands, it goes tumbling back towards the line. He runs and picks it up, at which point the flash goes off, and he is now like stumbling around blinded. And he's actually going to have to make a constitution saving throw because both the drow and the skinny human were successful. And then both you and Thad were successful. The skinny human does manage to hold on to the ball, but uh, now everybody will have disadvantage on their next turn. All right. And... um we're going to go ahead and pause it there as Coach Akrea comes running in and blowing her whistle. She says, You know what? I didn't expect that much out of these two newbies, but I think you both have got potential. Thad, Manny, well done. I'm very impressed with your first out. Let's see how you hold up against the next one. And she winds up cycling through a bunch of other starters before whistling for the end of tryouts and says, Keep your noses clean, and I'll post the roster in a couple days. Dude, you can't even eat ass, then. That's fucked up. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Oh. Dad, Manny, you guys had a pretty good day out. Why don't you go ahead and pick up the pennies for me and take those up to 
Oshag oh. Hennessy's office. Is this <laughs> where you're going to start, like, hazing the new kids and you're going to be like, no, fucking freshman, pick up the pennies. <laughs> pick up the pennies and take those up to Kyrasta. Have them washed and you can wind up turning in your Pyrocross gear from last year, too, since uh, I never saw that you actually turned those in. And she looks pointedly at the jersey that Thad is wearing. Whoa! I mean, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> the fact that you just yell, whoa, and then you go <laughs> before everything. And my eyes deglaze, and I look down, and I'm just like, oh, I uh, I bought this at the uh, the commissary. This is my lucky penny. Found it at Goodwill. I've never <laughs> lost a game with it. You've been wearing your same Koofy Goofy rubber pants for three weeks straight. What do you call that? <laughs> Worship? Um, yeah, I guess, uh, I don't just yell and announce my name before doing what I'm told. I just kind of nod (laughs) (laughs) and I start collecting pennies. All right. The field clears out. You guys wind up grabbing the bag of pennies and you head on back to the Arkshine Tower. You climb up to the fifth floor where the commissary is. And you go looking after Kyrasta, who is the proprietor of the commissary. You walk through the double wooden doors and you see tons of shelves. And there are a bunch of things magically floating around, shelving themselves. Imagine a giant Amazon warehouse with all sorts of stuff. But instead of uh, overworked humans, you just have magical invisible beings shelving and unshelving things and moving things around and at the Mm, front so you don't have to pay employees Mm, excellent oh you're not dosh anymore (laughs) um and in front of that warehouse that just seems to go on forever even though the arkshine tower isn't that big at the desk is seated a dwarf who has a streak of purple hair a bandana that's been folded over and tied around their forehead and is doodling at the desk. And you also see at the desk is Milo and Dixon. And they're hanging out with this person that's doodling? No. (laughs) Does it look like they made a friend? No. (laughs) All my friends are dead. Yeah, I don't know, like, I know they're in our group and all. But, like, uh, I don't know. I don't know if I'd have, like, approached them like we're pals. <laughs> Pretend you don't notice them. Like, I would just... So, so did I drop off the pennies yet, or am I still walking to get there? You are walking into the commissary where you see the dwarf who you know is Kyrasta. Well, I, I guess I would just walk up to uh, said dwarf Kyrasta and, like... I guess as I walk by Milo and Dixon, I just kind of give like a, just like one of those casual nods, like, oh, hey guys. And I just keep walking. I give him the finger. And I just, I ignore it entirely and go drop off the pennies. (laughs) (laughs) And I guess I'm, I'm also carrying some pennies. So I walk in and I see them and I, I see him give some uh, inappropriate hand gestures. I'm going to be like, hey, Ruby, I'm going to walk up like right right in front of him, carrying just this giant pile of just stanky pennies, just right in your face. And be like, that's not very nice. 
We're supposed to. We're supposed to be a unit. <laughs> Suck my unit, and I give him the finger too. That's two birds, in whatever direction they're in, while I stare at his soul. I'm just like, all right, then. And then I I drop off the pennies. Menacingly. You don't do anything. You don't dump the pennies on him or anything. You just get all threatening. He flicks you off, and you're like, damn. Good one. Got me good, fucker. <laughs> what am I supposed to do with this? I was like, it's okay. He doesn't mean it. The wall is conflicted. <laughs> <laughs> the wall wants to punish this person. <laughs> but the wall knows that uh, we're, in a, we're in a team. We're part of a unit. So when Thad and Manny drop the pennies onto the desk in front of Kyrasta, Kyrasta sits up on his stool and tucks a lock of loose hair back into his headband and says, Oh boy, those stink. What can I get you? What, what, what do you want me to do with these? Um, well, they need washed. Oh, we need clean ones. And, uh, need to make sure we got the right gear for this season. Gods above, did... Did Coach Rolta not wash these since last season? Well, uh, probably not. <laughs> yeah, um, I thought you were the person who washes them, so if uh, Coach didn't wash them, uh, and you didn't wash them, then probably not. And uh, Thad has been wearing this one since last season. He has not taken it off. It's good luck. Well, Thad, then you you better turn that over to me, and I'll, I'll get a wash for you. I'll get you a new one. Well, wait a second. Did you make the team? I just, uh, you could see just the slightest ember in my eye. And then I go, yes, I made the team. All right, then, yeah, hand hand, hand over your old one. I'll get you a new one. What if what if we both get cut this season? <laughs> like, what if this drow and human take uh, our starting positions? I'd also like to bring attention to the fact that this, this skinny little twig bean was the only person who played it like an actual sport. Like, I straight up shot someone. <laughs> you flashbanged someone. <laughs> Drow girl just hit you with a bolt of ice. And here's this guy actually doing some, uh, some sweet, um, like, ball handling maneuvers. <laughs> Props to him. <laughs> I yeah. shot a bitch in the face. <laughs> I literally capped the hoe. <laughs> no, but wouldn't that be crazy? We uh we lost our starting positions because we we already established you were a uh, walk on freshman starter. <laughs> I was I was able to start, but like that was at the end of freshman year because probably one of the seniors got injured and then he graduated. So I just kind of I was the backup that took a starting position at the end of freshman year and it started since. And then these two fucking scrubs walk in. <laughs> I'm gonna be washed out before I even graduate. Oh goodness. But yeah, I'm gonna look at uh, what's his face. Like you're, you're telling, you're saying I should give you the little clothes off my back that I'm currently wearing. Well, yeah, aside from your shell. So you're, you're saying that because I'm a tortoise, I don't need clothes. You be you, man. <laughs> and this That's is just a, a little uh... weird. I'm a little, uh, little uncomfortable with this whole interaction. The fact a professor's telling you to take your clothes off? Oh, I'm not. Come on, guys, you know me. I'm not any professor. I'm I'm not sure I do. A school administrator, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> I thought I knew you. <laughs> but, uh, come on, Thad, stop fucking with the guy. <laughs> and I just pull off my, my penny. <laughs> and, uh, he snaps his fingers, and the pennies and 
uh, your jersey all go floating back into the warehouse somewhere, and out comes a a replacement jersey. And then he kind of leans over and says, Oh, hey, uh, Milo and uh, uh, Dixon, those are your names, right? Yes. Apparently we're having a little bit of a hard time finding... Uh, what what was that book called that you were looking for? Herbs and hors d'oeuvres. Herbs and hors d'oeuvres, that's right. Um, yeah, I, I don't know what's going on there, but I'm sure it'll just be another couple seconds. Couple seconds? Oh, you guys are like, looking for... I'm okay with that. <laughs> <laughs> you guys are looking for herbs and hors d'oeuvres? I have a... Actually, keep a copy on me. Well, not like on me, but like with my stuff. I've read it four times. Have you taken the uh, home ec class as well? No, I read it for fun. Oh, that's right. <laughs> oh, that's right. He's kind of a loser. <laughs> well, but yeah, the, the the pages are a little worn, but uh, I, I think I packed it to break it down. I mean, of course, if you can rent one from uh, Kyrasta, then, then by all means, but like... I have a spare, I think. Well, since we share a room, it'd be really convenient if we could borrow it. That'd be great. Yeah, but actually, on second thought, if you're already getting them, why not just rent them out? Like, just, just, no, I guess I have one. And well, if you guys need help studying, I've, again, I've read it a few times. Okay, well, thanks for bragging. <laughs> uh, that's, yeah, that's not what I'm trying to do. Yeah, but Manny, remember, that's... Remember, hey. Manny, that's not, that's not very cool there. I'm not, I'm not... <laughs> I'm not trying to brag. I'm not trying to be cool. I'm just also I'm, not I mean, trying to be helpful. But I, I, here's the thing: we we learned that <laughs> all the information that we're learning from all these classes is supposed to benefit us as an entire unit. So I'm just trying to say I've read the book, and if you're reading the book to try to benefit us, it could be good for more people to know this information. But like, I'm here to help because we're a team. Manny, I'm sure he appreciates your help with this book for his class that he is in. However, I'm losing brain cells at this conversation. Carasta, thank you, and I walk away. Remember, guys, we're we're a unit. (laughs) Suck my unit, and I keep walking. And as you're walking away, all of a sudden you hear a grinding of gears, and the lights and torches start flashing and flickering. And Kairasta goes, what the fuck? And everything on the shelves nearby just falls straight off the shelves. I stop walking. <laughs> yeah, I guess... Uh, that has piqued my interest. So just uh, lights flash and everything just shot off the shelves all around us? Yes. And then all of a sudden everything goes back to normal. And things start loading up off the floor and slowly going back onto the shelves. And then from the deep recesses of the warehouse come shooting two copies of herbs and hors d'oeuvres. And I need both Milo and uh, Dixon to make dexterity saving throws. You just got fastballed by a textbook. (laughs) (laughs) I rolled a 20. What kind of check is this? Dexterity. Oh, Christ. Oh, wait. 18. Okay, you both managed to dodge before the books smack you full in the face. We dodged before they smacked us in the face? Yes. They go past your face and they just go skidding across the floor. And Kyrasta comes up with his uh, clipboard held over his head as like a helmet. And he goes, oh, man, 
What the hell was that? Books. It looks like exactly what you were talking about. Those books came in a couple seconds. <laughs> now that's service. Well, yeah, I mean, that is service, but they're not supposed to fly at you like that. You know that. You, you can come here and buy anything that you need for the year, except surges. I'm not allowed to give those to you this year. But, I mean, everything just failed. That's not supposed to happen. Right. Now, why were there two books? I mean, he's the only one in the class. I definitely would not need that book, but I'll pick it up and, you know, find who it belongs to. And then I go pick up the book. Uh, give me a persuasion or intimidation check to see if Kairasta goes along with that. Five. Kairasta looks at you funny and goes, But I... I thought Zip you asked. It. What? Zip it, fucker. What? I did not ask for this book. He did. Yep, uh, I definitely need this book. I'm going to go over and I'm going to pick it up and I'm going to put it in my pocket. Okay. Uh, when you go and pick it up, you also notice that a couple other things have fallen off the shelves, like beyond the desk. and haven't... I picked those up too. Okay. Put them in my pocket. But what are they? <laughs> uh, you... You wind up picking up a sandwich. Okay. Write that down, write that down. You wind up picking up a uh, gold ball. Uh, it looks like it has some grooves in it. it. or It's not so much gold as brass. It looks like it's mechanical of some sort. It's a fucking snitch. And then you also see a hand pistol. All right, yeah, I do want to... Uh... Pick it all up and put it in my pocket. Okay. But I don't want no one to see the other stuff. Okay, go ahead and give me a sleight of hand check then. Okay. A school where you can buy a pistol on campus. <laughs> the American dream. <laughs> <laughs> I rolled a 14. Okay, let's see if Kyrasta notices. Kyrasta rolled a six. He's he's otherwise occupied. He's turned in his seat and he's walking around and you can just see like the top of his head with his purple streak of hair and he's just like, I, I don't understand. I, I, hey, you you guys, I'll, I'll, like, I'll buy you something from the commissary if, if, if you go down into the basement and check to see what, what's going on with the magic down there. I guess, uh... I guess I'd definitely be the person who would know how to fix that, so... Please, please. Do we have to dig to the bottom of the well? That's where the magic is. (laughs) Oh, God. Anything we want? Well, Uh, not anything you want, but I can can take you into the back room and I can can show you some things that I can afford. Like five dollars. Between between that and uh, asking me to take off my clothes earlier... Um, little, little suspect. Little concerned. Yeah, this guy's a little sus. Um, <laughs> <laughs> look, I, I, I'm just saying, I only make so much money. I like how this guy has transitioned from whatever the fuck I was doing at the beginning to like a full-on stoner. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure. I'm sure you also get a uh, employee discount. Um, as well. Um. Anyways, yeah, I'm. Uh, I'm likely the guy who could fix it, potentially. So, yeah, I'll, I'll go check it out for you. Of course, um, you guys want to come with me? All right, teamy. Absolutely. No, but I'm curious. I mean, you do you. If you want to stay up here with the uh, 
the dwarf with the books that just fly at your face at 90 miles per hour, by all means, <laughs> stay out and play dodgeball with the books. I'd also rather not sit here with the guy who just asked him about his clothes and to take us to the back room. And show him some things? Correct. Yeah. Dude, it's a little, little odd. But okay. Yeah, we're on it. Uh, how do I get to the basement? Well, you just go down through the library and, uh, and then you... You go down the basement stairs. Wow. Wow. To get to the basement, you go to the basement. He sounds like Patrick when they're dried up in the movie. We are seniors. Yeah. Get the crown and say Mr. Krabs. <laughs> Shell City. Yeah, Pat. Shell City. Okay, now you're kind of bumming me out. <laughs> <laughs> I really appreciate it, you guys. Alright, I thought this dude was smart when we first met him. <laughs> he went from, like, you know, smart librarian kind of style in my head to, like, how do you get to the basement? Well, there's a door labeled basement. You go down the basement <laughs> stairs, you know what I'm saying, man? <laughs> yeah, man. Is that Lucy fucking Cheech? <laughs> <laughs> Alright. Well, that was no help. Um, Alright. I'll follow the signs, and I guess I go to the basement that is clearly marked where the basement is, and I go down the basement stairs to the basement. In the basement. Opened up my eyes, I saw the sign. Yeah, the sign says basement. And uh, we are going to find out what is in the basement next time on the Death Saving Bros podcast. Are we really at episode? Yeah. Yeah! I was going to say, I guess like... I guess the wall really wasn't in the last episode with how we recorded it. You two just pretty much sat upstairs at a desk and doodled with Guy. <laughs> how long were you doodling with the man? Well, there was another person in there, right? Not the dwarf, but another guy? There was a whole class. It was a, it's, a com, it's a common hall. Ah. It's not necessarily an uh, uh, accelerated class here. Anyway, <laughs> I have no good segue here, so I'm just going to go ahead and say thank you for playing. And uh, I'm excited to, now that we kind of have a lot of the integral parts of some of the new concepts that are happening at the Arkshine, next episode we'll be able to get down into figuring out what's going on at the school, what's causing the commissary to go haywire. Uh, if you listeners have been enjoying what you heard, Please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or Podchaser. And if you can't wait to hear more, you can listen to our previous campaign or head over to patreon.com slash deathsavingbros for bloopers, extra episodes, and conversational recaps. You can keep in touch with us in between episodes on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and Reddit at deathsavingbros. I am personally available at HB Camper. You could find me at Benfro15. I'm at Ima underscore B underscore Rad. Reach out to the Reddit and I might see it. Perhaps, maybe, most likely. You can find me on the PlayStation Network as FATT Smith. You're also on Old School RuneScape, but you know, I haven't seen you on that grind for a little while, so that's unfortunate. Yeah, probably a uh, slight um, two years. <laughs> I, was just, I was just, I was like, Fat Smith, that sack of shit. <laughs> Fucker never's on. 
Fat Smith may not be on, but we're on our way out of here. So to all those of you who are in your homes, in your cars, or wherever you may be, yes, I had to get a segue in there. Keep saving those death throws, and we'll see you on the next one. This episode was made possible by our patrons. The following individuals have pledged at the $5 tier. Tad Corsi. Thank you for your support. Some of the sounds and background music in this production are copyright material. The songs Lawless Worcester, Mead and Meat, and The Specialist are copyright Will Savino and the Music D20 Project. These tracks are used with permission, all rights reserved. The songs Sneaky Adventure and Thinking Music are by Kevin McLeod at Incompetech.com, licensed under Creative Commons Attribution License 4.0, and sourced from filmmusic.io.